to the Hero Series. Today I'm joined by special guest Bruce Piasecki and creator of the Hero Series, Dr. Susan Anthony. Dr. Bruce Piasecki is founder of the AHC Group, a management consulting firm specializing in energy, materials, and environmental corporate matters since 1981. He's also the author of seven seminal books on business strategy, valuation, and corporate change, including the Nature Society's Book of the Year, In Search of Environmental Excellence, Moving Beyond Blame. His articles have appeared in the Los Angeles Times, Baltimore Sun, Technology Review, and the Christian Science Monitor. His latest book, The Surprising Solution, was published this year, and since 1990, Dr. Piasecki and his staff have run hundreds of benchmarking workshops for numerous multinational corporate affiliates, involving key executives in site remediation, power markets, emerging issues, and governance concerns since Enron. With his corporate environmental strategy book, attracting the attention of change agents and board members in his client and affiliates network, Dr. Piasecki has moved the field of environmental and energy strategy closer to financial markets and mainstream financial diagnostics. His profound work is changing the perspective of business leaders through new ideas and a visionary approach to a future where frugality and sensitivity to social interaction is paramount. Welcome back to this second part of the hero's journey with special guest Dr. Bruce Piasecki and long-term resident guest and co-creator of the hero series, Dr. Susan Anthony. Bruce and Susie, welcome to you today. Great to see Thank you again, you. David and Susie. Yep, great to be back and I'm so looking forward to completing the journey. Susie, let's begin with you. Let's look at a recap for our listeners so that they understand the journey thus far that we took with Bruce in our first program. Would you like to uh, provide a very short, brief summary of the first stage about the ordinary world in context to Bruce's journey? Well, the ordinary world is the hero's normal world before his journey starts. And here, Bruce, you talked about the hardships of growing up in extreme poverty, something I identify with. Yet these difficulties and personal challenges centered around lack, loss, and all kinds of fear-based issues, most probably envy, too, for the have-mores, whose lives surely must have seemed so much easier to a young boy with so little, um, possibly comparing his insides against their outsides. These problems were, in fact, the catalyst for change, precipitating stage two of the hero's journey for you, where the hero inside inspired you to break free from constraints, to self-transform, to create a different life for yourself than you may have ordinarily believed possible or even attainable. And you recognized a way out of poverty and all its limitations by means of high academic achievement. And... I know for sure this involved incredible hard work. You took risks. You made all kinds of sacrifices and won through by means of your incredible determination and persistence, powerful hero traits when combined with single-pointed focus 
and right use of intention and attention. For sure, Bruce, you believed you'd succeed and you were right. And this is another powerful hero tool for transformation, knowing instinctively that where we focus attention, energy is magnified and energy does follow thought. I know it wasn't all plain sailing. If I may there, Susie, can I come in? Because Bruce, knowing you well, there was a very important transition between living at home, being at home with your family, and then going to Cornell. Uh, do you see that as being one of the major shifts in your life at that stage? Yeah, absolutely. And and I do want you know to say that although I'm honored by this you know um, theme, I, I don't feel comfortable with the word hero. I do think that um, the shift from the being the jack-in-the-box, as we talked about it last time, at home in growing up, you know, from age 10 to 17, and then discovering that many other people were also still in a jack-in-the-box at Cornell um, did teach me something about how to magnify energy and how to use a targeted approach to life. Uh, what I would describe as pragmatic. Um, so there were differences, David and, and Susie, between high school, you know, and the comfort of family and, um, you know, the shock of newness at, at Cornell. So I do think it was significant. I think Joseph Campbell captures some of the notions uh, in his work of how one has to condition and repattern the self um, and I hope that's a theme that we talk about. And I also think his whole idea that most individuals have within them a sense of both the ordinary and perhaps the higher set of facts. So I think I derived more higher facts from my home life than I did from Cornell. Before we continue to the next stage, you used the word conditioning. Could you give greater definition to that? Just like an athlete, when, it, when one has a restlessness inside or when one is interested in creative pursuits, you understand that you have to practice and train in order to be competitive and that part of the magic of practice and training is to learning how to outsmart some of your natural limitations and, and how to recondition the self. So if you're that type of basketball player who can't jump as well as the competitors, then you have to learn a special dribble or a way to suspend yourself in a fall away. It's the same in much of professional life where you have to recondition in response to your natural limits, which surround and, and define. Susie, let me come back to you. Uh, you define in this recap the second stage of the journey. The second stage of the journey is where you break free from your ordinary life. It is about breaking free from conditioning and realizing that with different beliefs, you can create an entirely different world. And that's a special world, the call to the hero's journey. And my hope is that by the end of this discussion, Bruce will have changed his conditioning and he'll fully embrace the fact that he is a hero. It isn't, I think I said before, to quote one of my mentors, George Lucas, 
the hero isn't just the guy that fights the um, lightsaber battles and blows up the Death Star. It's the person who is self-aware and selfless and wishes to treat other people with dignity. Simple acts of kindness. How would you, for the listeners, question for, for you, Susie and Bruce, define more this special world in layman's terms? And I think that's a question for both of you, if, if you would like to start with that, Susie. Okay, well, the ordinary world is about do have consume, distract, and you operate there mostly in ego um, and mostly from fear-based, self-limited thinking. And the special world is the world where if you think you can, you're right. And it contains all kinds of uh, special rules, which really are just tools for transformation, which help you raise your awareness of your own divine nature. Joseph Campbell calls it the hero inside. I'm calling it your own divine nature, whereby if you face your fear in the eyes, you can live the life you were meant to live, which is coming from love, coming from a consciousness of there's enough for everyone, and that if I'm coming from love, I'm happy to share whatever I have, how, how little, how large. If I asked Bruce that question, I think that the definition of, of uh, this world is, is clear. Is there anything that you could add to that that would be perhaps more pragmatic in defining that special world in your case? Well, I, I really do understand and appreciate the distinction between the ordinary and the extraordinary that Dr. Anthony is describing. Without a doubt, literature has enriched my life by allowing me to understand the transformation of uh, trauma-based or fear-based limitations of the self you know, into someone who feels that what I do has a social purpose and hopefully has an impact. Um, so what I would add is that the person who's the jack-in-the-box in an ordinary way is not the everyday hero that Joseph Campbell and Susie speaks about. And the main difference is that the person in that ordinary jack-in-the-box you know, may have gotten all the right grades and may have followed all the expected rules, but didn't discover what she talks about in her work as special rules. In other words, the rules that allow you to recondition yourself and to provide a social answer or a social quest. Um, and, and that's where I think I understand a lot, Susie, about what you're saying about how you can go from the anxious, distracted, confused, fear-based self into a social purpose. I totally agree with that, and I hope that 
I'm aligning with it as a, as opposed to I'm not trying to correct it or add anything to it, David. I, I understand that um, that let me, transformation let, occurs. Let me ask you, Bruce. If you look at Chaucer, you look at something like Canterbury Tales, or you look at Shakespeare, maybe um, uh, this, let's take Hamlet. What is it, do you think, with these great writers that they were going through themselves to be able to create this work? Because it seems to me that they were very aware of all those human conditions that we're talking about, whether it's fear or, or codependency or whatever it is. How do you think that they illustrated that in the literature so many years ago? I think Chaucer and certainly Shakespeare are masters at showing how the self operates in a complex dynamic of society in which they have to either disentangle themselves from false alliances or embrace new alliances um, in the Joseph Campbell phrase of you know, allies, enemies, and, and, and others. Um, I, I think that uh, literature shows the heroic because in retrospect it could identify those parts of a day. Uh, supposing every day we can only do 28 things. It may be that one or two of those things in the long scale of your life trajectory has a longer social consequence than the other 26 you do in a day. So I'm prepared to say that, but I think from literature I was sensitized to a lot of Campbell's notions of allies and enemies and entanglements, for sure. Susie, this takes us on uh, quickly to refusal of the core. Would you like to review that, please? So this is where the hero refuses the challenge or journey, usually due to fear. And Bruce, you bravely said as did John Perkins before, as have I, that you also encountered blocks along the way, that all kinds of fear, self-worth issues, anger issues surfaced, I believed, yes. which almost sabotaged your studies around about the ages of seven, 17 to 19. And this challenged your academic resurrection, which was to grant you passage into the special world and initiate you to a new way of living. And it's a way, the special world is about fully embracing our emotions and conquering fear, returning to love, and knowing that when we, when we hold that frequency, that vibration of love powerfully in every interaction, that's when magic... And what I would say, David, is, is, is that you know my experience of going to Cornell was both profoundly good and sometimes very disturbing because there are some people that I saw due to the weight of their family or the weight of the tradition of the faculty they were receding deeper into the jack-in-the-box and I love what Susie says about that um, if you fully embrace the emotions and if you return to the power of love and caring and compassion for society as opposed to cynicism about it, there, there is a magic. And so I find it interesting. The life stories take different turns. Uh, you know, I was thinking in preparation for this about St. Augustine's Confessions, where clearly part of what makes him so magical and makes him so interesting to read is the many decades of procrastination from his special calling, the, the 
distraction of hedonism, the, the pleasure of the self. Um, I do think there is a calling that he came to embrace that was so significant that he literally wrote a masterpiece. And it is a masterpiece of reconditioning the self. In the end, he becomes a delegated actor of the church, as opposed to, say, a delegated actor in the way that a senator is, or the way that a governor is, or the way that a CEO is. They're all delegated actors in the sense that they serve a social purpose with some rules uh, that define their actions as consequential. So I, I do think that John Perkins is a very good model. I love that Barrett Kohler book he wrote, Confessions of an Economic Hitman, because it appears in his life story that he made some dramatic shifts in value, as I did when I left the world of lobbying. Looking, Susie, at how impressionable one can be, how impressed one can be upon by other people, and suddenly... In Bruce's case, going to Cornell, uh, surely that would have happened, uh, meeting so many different people from different backgrounds. What is it that determines an individual's capability of assuring that this refusal is successful, making sure that they actually take the right road? What does it take in a person's character to achieve that? Does it take somebody of the assertiveness of somebody, somebody like uh, Martin Luther. Uh, you know, he stood there at, uh, during the Diet of the Worms and be, became extremely aggressive, or does it take somebody uh, who is passive and pragmatic? What are the qualities, the main qualities, that would be common to, to somebody to be able to be successful at this stage? Well, the qualities are determination, and a strong desire. Um, Campbell sums this up as, as passion. Follow your passion. I'm sure, like like myself, Bruce was extremely passionate about escaping from poverty. It really depends what you've come here to learn in this lifetime, in terms of what qualities you'll you'll exhibit or what weaknesses that you need to fine tune. But I think the most important factor at this part is meeting mentors. And my sense is, in my notes, I said Bruce was blessed to meet one of his heroes, economist and author E.F. Schumacher, while studying at Cornell. I'm absolutely certain his influence would have been key to Bruce finding his path and, and not getting lost, not giving not climbing back into his box and not giving his power away to the trauma mask. I, I can right? say that definitively, and that's one of the real pleasures of turning 55 is that when you're, you know, when you're struggling between 18 and, and 21 or 2 and you don't know the effects of your actions, to come across a wise person like Schumacher was definitely life-changing. So one way to joke about it, you know, not to take these things all too seriously, David and Susie, is I used to keep double books at Cornell. You know, the corporations that I work for all the time are accused of taking double books in the negative because they're fudging their financials. But I would take double books because I would take notes about what I was learning in class, and then I would take notes about what I was learning by the extracurricular activities. 
such as meeting E.F. Schumacher or listening to, you know, a gamelan from Indonesia or meeting these brilliant colleagues that did turn out to be mentors. So in, in a way, Susie, uh, I think that stages um, two, three, and four, in a way you're refusing the call in small ways by not bonding with people that are going to shove you back in the box. And there is, um, you know, a death in friendships there sometimes. And I do think there is a series of experiences where Schumacher helped me cross those early thresholds that you talk about, and that in many ways there's just the bolder confidence that when you see a mentor who's done a book like the one that you would want to do in your own life, in other words, it understands the tradition, but it rattles it a little bit. When you read that, you want to become a rattler in your own way, and even though it doesn't make you famous or popular or liked, uh, you understand that this is what you want to do. So in some ways, uh, I think I understand the different stages about meeting the mentor and gaining their advice and training for your next adventures through the mirror of what you've seen about a special world through their eyes. Um, in a way, when you're so young, I, I would be fibbing and I would be extending the truth to say that I knew that I was about to mimic my own adventure. I just knew that what Schumacher had done, struck, had, had completed, struck me as thrilling and worthwhile. One of the qualities um, is definitely willingness, a willingness, an openness and enthusiasm to allow someone to spark you and guide you. And I think the character, the hero characteristics you were trying to, to find for me, those only get honed in later life okay. through the tests and ordeals and initiations. That, that makes sense to me, uh, Susie. The, the, the other thing, David, and I'll pause for your, for your next question, but I, f I feel like it's probably important to state this. Because of the early death of my father, I think I grabbed hold to the pragmatics of Ben Franklin and William James and the professors that struck me as pragmatic. And also, you know, to be dramatic, the mistresses that I felt had a, a future in their bones. And I would try and mix my hair with their hair. And I, uh, Susie talks of a willingness to adventure. Uh, without a doubt, I learned as much out of class in college and in early business ventures as I did in the meetings or in class. So I think crossing the early thresholds of life have to do with leaving what you were told not to do or leaving what you were told that didn't have a yield and discovering a way to trauma, to, to get past trauma and to channelize it into energy, um, which I, I totally believe that Many people do that. Um, and, you know, I, I have a, a case I want to tell you about of recent in which I realized how fortunate I was. Uh, you know, uh, she used the word absolutely right, is that I was blessed to meet my mentor so early in my college days because uh, I could not get enough of Schumacher's work. We have successfully covered the fifth stage, the crossing the first threshold that includes your evolving passion for literature and poetry and your, your meeting of minds uh, with people like Schumacher. We move on to the sixth 
level the tests and allies and enemies to which you have talked to beyond any human beings bruce that may have come into your life that did test you what is it in your work that you could cite as an example that would have been the test whether it was writing a book or researching for a book or becoming very aware about the problems in business or problems with the environment that you needed yourself to better understand and, and better articulate in your work? I guess one way to say it is maybe in the 20s, maybe in the 30s, um, there are many continual rebuffs because your reputation hasn't been polished or secured. And so I love the Freud statement about after continual rebuffs, the voice of the intellect will be heard. If if you hear that voice within yourself and you have a confidence that it may have a short or long-term value, even when it's being rejected, you are looking for the tests that you pass and you're looking for the allies that befriend, befriend and defend that value, be it um, the woman you're with or the professor you're studying from, and you do try and find ways to spark the guide um, by finding muses and avoiding enemies. So I guess what I would say is I want to say this is a way in which I dramatize in retrospect when I had the confidence to write my first book because I was still in school at the time. Um, 1976, I wrote a book of poetry called Stray Prayers, and I was this arrogant presumptuous, not-too-social person. And luckily there's a publisher that wanted to publish it. And during that time, I would like to say that I did watch TV, both at home and at school. And there were these three tremendous figures that got interviewed that made me think about creativity. One was Jimi Hendrix, another was Janis Joplin, and a third was Joseph Campbell himself. And I do want to tell you quickly, because I do think it relates to tests and allies and enemies, it was very fascinating to me that I kind of sensed when I was listening to the brilliance of Jimi Hendrix's music, not just him talking about what on, went on in his head during to David Clark, to, you know, about Purple Haze or about the social movement of the 60s, but I did have a sense that he was going to go down in flames. I did have a sense that he, his genius lacked pragmatism. Um, I, I did hear Janis Joplin talk circles around David Clark during a subsequent interview, um, and I was fascinated with how this unknown from Texas had such brilliance to her. Um, but I did feel like I couldn't befriend her relative to the women I wanted to befriend. And in listening to Joseph Campbell, I found somebody who brought some kind of mapping of the risks and benefits of a life. Uh, and, and what um, he's known for is this notion of the archetypal or these rules of engaging in a life adventure that yields um, a different insight. It was in the act of listening to all of those people that I realized I was attracted to write about really ugly things like toxic waste or climate change or 
the failure of corporations to live up to their obligations. And so I can't really tell you for sure how it all fell together, but I do believe that at that stage of where you're testing yourself and you're finding allies and you're distancing from enemies, there's a lot of shaking going on in yourself, and there's a lot of kind of, I wouldn't describe it as mythic, but there's a selection of the maps that you want to proceed on, and there's an avoidance of the wheel spinning you don't want to proceed on. And this is, Susie, where we had talked about the Hopi legends and the great shakings and the ordeals, and I think that we're going to take this up later on. Can we move on now in continuing uh, from where we left off with the seventh stage, the need for the hero to become prepared, uh, to, to find himself or find herself in combating the ordeals, in pushing back against any uh, darkness? Well, for me, stage seven was about learning to embrace and delight in uncertainty. I think I talked to this in the first program. And we do that. We learn how to accept fear, chaos, loss, setbacks by becoming fully conscious and aware in order to find the messages in every experience and exchange daily, to learn from all our constraints and challenges and to grow and become more powerful. And there's a a really powerful tool called psychological recapitulation. And there's a legend about the king in his small kingdom, which illustrates this for listeners, where the king invites everyone to come and pay taxes to him and bring a gift daily. And the spinner brings wool, the weaver offers him cloth, the farmer gives him a piece of fresh fruit. And everyone comes daily without fail. And... The king talks to everyone wisely, chats to his subjects to find out what's going on in the kingdom. And daily as each new gift arrives, he expresses his gratitude and throws it over his shoulder into the treasure room behind him. But one day the king becomes hungry, so he decides to bite into one of the pears that the farmers gifted him, and he breaks a tooth. And inside the fruit he finds a precious jewel, very mm large ruby. Then he begins to wonder about all the other fruit that the farmer's given him and if this contains precious gems. So he goes into his treasure room to investigate and of course it's a chaotic mess containing all kinds of cloth, paintings, statues, carvings and rotting fermenting fruits. Imagine his surprise when he finds in each piece of fruit a gem of precious worth. And the psychological interpretation is we all, every one of us, tend to throw away the gifts of the day, our experiences, into our memory, the unconscious, without paying much attention to them. We create a huge stockpile of energy and information undigested that might have given us new fuel to transform if we digested it properly in the first instance. So despite the chaotic mess, it's so worth the time and effort to re-examine and re-evaluate the experiences of our day and of our past as we find something of immense value. Let me just follow up on that. 
uh, Bruce, Susie is using this word chaos. And interestingly, you had indicated that through this period of your life that you were talking to the environmental disasters, corporate business. Was there at that stage a mindset change that you took on uh, in order to focus on those areas in finding solutions, a mindset that you did not have prior to reaching this stage in your own personal evolution? Well, I think during that time, you know, I always have been conscious of wanting to stay creative and not being forced back into the box of the normal. And I also always needed to make amends with bills, you know. So I do think what um, Susie just said is very significant about a mind shift that occurred at the same time I was blessed in meeting my life mate, Andrea Carroll Masters, who... I was a graduate student by then, and she was an undergraduate, and this, you know, bright, red-headed woman of a different type of ethnic background uh, was, you know, someone asking me questions at school, and it was becoming wonderful to break from the pattern, that old clanging self, you know, where you're in your own self and throw away the limitations of the self and live uh, with pleasure and love through another. So I do think that it was at that point that I was resonating very much with Susie's notion that there are gifts in each day and that they are undigested unless you look at them and that you should consciously and with some sense of joy and celebration go from viewing the world as one of mistresses and coming up with some lifelong commitments. And so... I was relatively a young man, and I've been with Andrea Carroll Masters for 31 years. I do, th I do think that's an important part of stabilizing uh, myself, which has always been so restless. So for me, the issue is excess creativity that has to be curtailed and controlled. And, and so perhaps the best way to say it is it was Jack and Jill in the box instead of just Jack in the box. This takes us on nicely to the ordeals. Uh huh. Uh, and you define this uh, as the, the biggest life or death crisis. Uh, and you are suggesting here that the special world rules apply. And you, you, in our notes, you, you do say in that the crisis causes loss, but the hero recognizes it differently, looks upon it as an opportunity, looks more as the glass half full and half empty. And that, again, is, is talking about this mindset change, this, this whole new view visually of the world in which you are now living. Hey, Susie, can I jump on that one for a little bit? Because it ties in a lot with the entrance of the other into one's imagination. Please do. Uh, yeah. I, I actually feel, David, what you just said, um, about seeing the cup half full rather than dreading and despairing and feeling that red face of trauma about how the fact is it's only half full instead of full. Um, the, there were many periods of rejection when you're trying to learn where your articulate power resides. And there's probably in your 20s and 30s and maybe even early 40s more rejection than result. So 
the pleasure of having a soulmate boils down to you can be talking about why you're rejected and Andrea could say something like, well, that's because you didn't really have a chance to show yourself to them. They would have had a different opinion if you would have had a chance to show yourself. So there's a kind of second source of power and energy and confidence that I would say comes in after those first few thresholds. There is without a doubt some very big life crises that come in when you're willing to expand the jack-in-the-box, because I believe the true power is when it's not only just Jack and Jill in the box, but there's also some sense of social purpose with you. You know, that's the purpose of family, the purpose of succession, the purpose of the team of a company. So as I expanded ways in which I would both get out of the box into the extraordinary creative realm and stay in the box, I found the right space in, in that. So I guess what I would say, David, is that I don't think of it yet as heroic to seek a soulmate. But without a doubt, I think Ben Franklin got it wrong when he called his wife a healthmate. I mean, I think it's a soulmate that I was fortunate enough to find during my graduate years. Turning to you, Susie. What does the hero contend with? Well, he engages the ordeal. He faces his greatest fear confronts his most difficult challenge, and ultimately experiences some kind of death, not necessarily a physical death, um, but certainly a psychological death. Only through how does, death... How does, how does that manifest itself, Susie? Uh, a psychological how? death? Hmm. Well, let's talk about the man divorcing his wife in sure. the box. Um, he has to die to the part of him that was the identity of the, the spouse, the partner. Perhaps all kinds of issues that he took on based on that relationship, i.e. she loved mountain climbing, he didn't, but he went mountain climbing. So the part of him that climbed mountains can now die and read books, whatever. He becomes his own person. So only through being willing to die psychologically can the hero be reborn and when you experience that resurrection it grants greater power and a stronger sense of self-awareness and personal identity and the greater power comes from successfully completing the initiations and tests along the way taking the risks making the sacrifices it's about Frodo Baggins type blind, empty handed leaps of void leaps of faith into the void with an expectation of nothing, no thing. And close to home, David, this is rather like your journey at the moment, concerning in discussion in the hero series where you've risked everything to keep the program on air. I was you've thinking sold, that as you were talking. Yeah. You've sold possessions. You've lost your home. You've sold your car. You've been homeless even. Yet trusting sponsorships will pour in when someone wise, awake, aware, and evolved enough will recognize the powerful value of your visionary work. This map is life-saving stuff, and I think it's, in fact, world-saving stuff. 
And you're definitely on the journey, David. And Bruce, I know you are with me too. I know it. I I, I feel that uh, what was just summarized uh, talks of of the the ultimate quests in the sense that when you're seeking those higher facts, one puts a lot on the line. And, Definitely. Yeah. Let me just ask you, Bruce, as we close towards this second program, in what Susie was talking about in relationships, in moving into this different world of being able to work in a better way, a better fashion, apply better wisdom, where does compromise come into it? Because whenever I'm writing myself, one of the words that I have always disliked is compromise. Mm-hmm. And I think that we were talking to that, or Susie was talking to that, in which, in, in context of relationships, yes. compromise is not a word that we could really appoint well to this journey. Would you agree? I would totally agree. What I would say is that in creating possibility in this swift and severe world, you know, the subtitle of my new book, it's much more important and easier to stay focused and stay creative and to stay generous than it is to understand why compromise is necessary, why we have to break the impasse when the other has a very good different reason and passion. And and I think Susie said it in a very generous way when she's saying, maybe someone loves to climb mountains and you don't. The thing that I think is telling is that if you feel you have a social purpose in your work, it must and should start with the self, then extend to the family, then extend to your company, and then extend to society at large. And those three concentric circles are not always coincident. You know, sometimes there's a bump in one, and sometimes there's great taxation in another, and so one needs to learn the art of compromise. But in the end, through the power of your dedication, I believe you can raise all the boats. Um, and the parties that are apparent enemies uh, sometimes become allies. So I think it's uh, compromise is not a favorite word of mine either, David. Susie will complete this second program in the series with the briefly covering the ninth stage, the reward. I was very interested that you had quoted Gandhi. First they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, and then you win. The reward in this stage, how would you define that, Susie? I'd like to talk about my own personal reward which was having spent my whole life compromising. And when I was in therapy being called a chameleon in an M&M jar because I was so codependent and wished to please everyone, I would just take on their life views and make them mine and hope I'd get approval. And so for me, the reward was finding my truth and learning to live it with passion. And to quote Gandhi again, he said, and I think this is a great way to end the show for me, truth alone will endure. All the rest will be swept away before the tide of time. I must continue to bear testimony to truth, even if I am forsaken by all. Mine may today be a voice in the wilderness, 
but it will be heard when all other voices are silenced, if it is the voice of truth. And that's a reward. When you can align with truth and live it in moment-to-moment conscious awareness, again, that plugs you in to your highest creativity, the hero. Could I better summarize that as perhaps truly walking the talk? Yes, it is. So many people talk the talk. The hero's journey is designed to find people and hone them so that they can really, really walk the talk. And that's true wisdom, living the knowledge, rather than just reading it in a book and not living it, which is the conceit of wisdom. Bruce Piasecki in finishing this second program. Again, referring back to the notes, uh, Susan Anthony said the ultimate reward is that of an indomitable spirit. I think that on this occasion, as we wind up the end of the program, and in context of this stage of reward, would you like to talk to that briefly as we complete this? Sure. You know, I, I want to thank your listeners to participate in, in this journey. I think everybody has a significant set of issues in their life journey, and that by doing it on radio, you can deal with the fact, you know, this famous Gandhi quote, uh, I think sums up a lot of what we've been discussing, in that first they ignore you, then they laugh at you, then they fight you, then you win. I think I'd like to talk a little bit about at some point in the next show about the power of will and the zeal to understand that all along you're winning during those different stages of when you're ignored or when you're laughed at or when you're resisted. And I think a lot of what Susie and you have said, you probably know that too, that it appears as different phases because there's this concentric circles are not aligned. So the family's not aligned or society's not aligned or the person who owes you something is not aligned. But over time, I think you come to understand that the winning has occurred through your right thinking. Indomitable spirit, I'm sure, defines determination, self-worth, self-belief. Dr. Bruce Piasecki, Dr. Susan Anthony, this has been an incredible pleasure sharing this second program with you. Again, uh, Susie Anthony, thank you so much for working so very hard on these questions. I'm sure, Bruce, you will agree that... I very much appreciated them. Wonderful program. We will look forward to a third program in the series with Dr. Bruce Piasecki, and you can gain information on this and any other program in the series at davidgibbons.org. Meanwhile, wherever you are in this world, good morning, good afternoon, and good evening. to Inner Speak Soul Adventures Talk Radio Show every Tuesday evening at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 Eastern, and learn how to let go of your past and create the reality you desire and deserve, allowing your inner communication to take place more easily without the interference of our noisy mind chatter or your ego. Inner Speak Soul Adventures with Gene Adrian right here on the 7th Wave Network. 
As a new era approaches December 2012, Evolution invites you to expand awareness now to become the magnificent creator you forgot you are. Explore beyond current sensory perceptions with host Doreen Agostino to align body, mind, spirit, and unleash inner wealth. Discover and apply universal success principles to consciously and deliberately create your life. To align with inner truth, shine light of new thought, and joyfully prosper. Tune in Wednesdays at 6 p.m. Eastern Time, 3 p.m. Pacific Time on 7th Wave Network. Tune in every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time for The Growth Strategist with Aldana Ambler. On the show, Aldana and some of today's top business professionals will discuss some of today's most pressing business issues that hold you, the business owner, back. Aldana will also give you 21 ways to grow with her list of growth strategies. Grow smart, grow profit, and grow your business with Aldana Ambler and the Grow Strategist every Tuesday at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, right here on the bottom line in business talk, Voice America Business. Annie Arman, live. Teens, you have got to tune into this show and listen to your fellow teens. If you're out there confused because somebody is trying to put doubts in you, making you think that you can't do what you want to do, get it straight. You can, you will, and you will get it done no matter what. And don't ever give up because you're not alone. Don't miss Annie Arman live on Voice America, Wednesdays from 4 to 5 p.m. Pacific. Standard Time. The incidence of autism has increased at an alarming rate. Approximately 1 in 150 children are affected by autism, giving autism the undesired ranking as the most prevalent childhood developmental disorder in the U.S. 67 children will be diagnosed today. That is nearly one child every 20 minutes. Autism One, a conversation of hope, brought to you by Enzymedica, hosted by Terry Aranga, illuminates how right now there is more reason than ever for individuals with autism spectrum disorders and their families to have the best hope for the brightest future. is treatable and given appropriate therapies, children are recovering. With well-known researchers and doctors, members of Congress, and expert service providers from a wide range of disciplines, Terry offers interviews and insights highlighting the progress in areas related to autism spectrum disorders such as biomedical research and treatment, communication, education, and behavioral modalities, sociological and philosophical issues, and legislative advocacy and insurance concerns. Autism One, a conversation of hope, broadcast each Tuesday at 9 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel. Autism One, a conversation of hope. Through education and conversation, there is hope. Technology is changing the way we live our lives and how we do business. On CIO Talk Radio, we talk about the benefits of technology and the great things it allows us to do, as well as its risks. Heard every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, Sunjo Gall interviews business leaders and other experts that are shaping the way we use technology. To learn more about this show, visit www.ciotalkradio.com. Keep up with the changing world of technology and listen to CIO Talk Radio with Sunjo Gall. Listen in every Wednesday at 9 a.m. Central, 7 a.m. Pacific, right here on Voice America Business. 
What would you do if you knew that you could not fail? The Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile is a radio forum for some of the world's most influential people in the fields of health, wellness, and human potential. Dr. Pat brings together and introduces visionary scientists and futurists, environmentalists, educators, business leaders, inventors, filmmakers, authors, artists, mystics, and healers who inspire and support individual and collective growth and positive cultural shifts. This award-winning radio show empowers the listening community to be the change they want to see in the world. Tune in every Thursday at 8 a.m. Pacific for the Dr. Pat Show with Dr. Pat Basile, radio to thrive by. The violent crime rate has begun to rise again. So what's more important than feeling at ease and secure in your daily life? With an optimistic perspective on a sober subject, crime prevention and personal safety expert Susan Bartlestone brings you the information, tips, resources, and inspiring success stories that will reduce your fear and restore your confidence. So stay tuned and stay safe with Crime Prevention 101 and Susan Bartlestone every Thursday at 8 p.m. Eastern Time, 5 p.m. Pacific, here on Voice America. It'd be a crime not to listen. Listen for the American Advisor with Joe Battaglia twice every week. This is a live call-in talk show where Joe discusses the economic and political events that affect your investments. Joe's macro market calls have helped thousands of investors pave their way to a more secure financial future. As a bonus, everyone who calls into the program will receive a 1964 Silver Kennedy half-dollar coin that's been graded uncirculated. The American Advisor is heard every Monday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America Variety Channel and every Friday at 2 p.m. Pacific, 5 p.m. Eastern on the Voice America business channel are you tired of the government squandering your tax dollars on bailouts and overpaid bureaucrats on free markets with dr mike beitler mike beitler and his guests explain why big government regulations are the problem and innovative businesses and free markets are the solution listen to free markets with dr mike beitler thursday mornings at 10 a.m eastern time 7 a.m pacific on the voice america business network Do you know that over 70% of Americans with severe disabilities are unemployed? Are you one of the 2.5 million Americans with epilepsy? If you are or know someone struggling with these issues, tune in to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. On the show, Joyce will discuss these issues as well as others. She will have on nationally known guests that will offer helpful insight on disability matters and let you, the listener, call in with your questions and concerns. So if you struggle with a disability or know someone who does, listen to Disability Matters with Joyce Bender. Heard every Tuesday at 11 a.m. Pacific Time here on VoiceAmerica.com. Think of the world 50 years ago. Now think of this same world and how it will be 50 years from now. Did you know that if the world's population continues to grow at its current rate, our children and grandchildren will only have 25% of the resources per capita that our parents and grandparents had? We must preserve the foundation of a quality standard of living. That foundation starts with Go Green Radio. Join your host, Jill Buck, for Go Green Radio every Friday at noon Eastern, 9 a.m. Pacific on Voice America. The latest business information is made simple with the Voice America Business Network. The professionals in the business world bring you live talk radio shows featuring an array of business topics, strategies for building wealth, sales and marketing, stock trading, investing, and business technology. Voice America business hosts are professionals in their fields and bring to the airwaves weekly business discussions that offer up-to-date information, advice, and education. The Voice America Business Network, the bottom line in business talk. Are you ready to learn all about NASCAR from an insider's perspective? 
Join Eddie DeHaan every week for the NASCAR Insider. It's an interactive look at the world of NASCAR from the drivers to the crew chiefs. You'll hear from top flight NASCAR guests that the other shows only wish they could have. Hear about last week's recap, this week's news, and more. Call in to interact with Eddie and his guests every Tuesday afternoon at 5 p.m. Eastern, 2 p.m. Pacific, exclusively on the Power of Motorsports channel. Are you ready to grow your business? Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show with your coach, Rick Carrado. This entertaining talk radio program will bring you the tools to help increase your business. You'll learn sales success, time management, lead generation, business development, life balance, and much more. Rick Carrado is here to help you take your business to the next level. Listen for the Independent Business Owner Show, heard live every Monday morning at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific on the Voice America Business Network. The Marsh Engel Show. Join the movement to empower yourself with the essentials of feminine power and success and learn how women around the world are becoming more inspired, more influential, and absolutely amazing. Each week, Marsh sits down for an engaging conversation with women who are boldly committed to living their most amazing life. You'll discover ways to step into your greatest vision, deepen your relationships, and unleash your real creative brilliance. Get ready. It's time to jump into the conversation. That's Monday afternoons at 1 p.m. Pacific, 4 p.m. Eastern for The Marsh Engel Show on the Voice America Business Network. Never be satisfied. Let that be a lesson you take away from Double Time with Double D, featuring businessman and former NFL star Dave Duerson. We'll talk about the NFL with special focuses on the game itself, and Double D will take your calls and answer your emails live on the show. It's not Football 101, but rather an in-depth look in the locker room, on the field, away from the field, and opening up the mind of the player. The program will also feature positive messages. So tune in to Double Time with Double D, Thursdays at 3 p.m. Eastern, noon Pacific, on the Voice America Sports Channel. Dialogue is the single most powerful leadership tool we have to make a difference in the world. Leading conversations with host Cheryl Esposito creates a place for that dialogue. Tune into the Voice America Business Channel every Friday as Cheryl hosts new conversations among leaders from around the world in business, government, art, economics, and social change. We'll explore big ideas and everyday actions and learn how their own leadership has led them to discover a newfound sense of possibility in the world. Leading conversations with Cheryl Esposito, bringing big thinkers together in conversations that make a difference right here on the Voice America Business Channel every Friday morning at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time. Two views, different topics, questions, answers, news, and advice. You'll want to check out Ecoman and the Skeptic live from Philadelphia University. Every week, join hosts Rob Fleming and Chris Pastor as they tackle a different topic on sustainability. You'll hear all sides of the issue supported by guests who provide valuable insights. Get ready to be engaged, educated, and entertained when you tune into Ecoman and the Skeptic. Broadcast live every Wednesday at 11 a.m. Eastern Time, 8 a.m. Pacific Time on the Green Talk. Network. Do you need directions to solid financial future? If so, the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with a roadmap to making smart money decisions in every area of your personal finances. Join Jordan every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, 3 p.m. Eastern for the Money Answers Show on the Voice America Business Channel. Learn how and where to get the best deals on mortgages, cars, and insurance. Find out the best ways to save for college and retirement. Get out of debt, improve your credit rating, and save on your taxes. The Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman will provide you with great tips on investment opportunities 
securities and real estate, stocks, annuities, and other investment vehicles. That's the Money Answers Show with Jordan Goodman on the Voice America Business Channel every Monday at 12 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. Are you ready to get freed up? Join Dr. Jennifer Freed, one of America's leading psychological thinkers, for a groundbreaking program with fascinating guests and full participation from you. Freed Up will explore topics like liberation in long-term relationships, parenting in the 21st century, comfort in stressful times, and much more. Tune in to Freed Up every Wednesday morning at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on the Voice America Variety Channel and wake up to the heartbeat of your life. Listen up. Conceive Magazine is now on the air, live and on demand on the Voice America Health and Wellness Channel every Wednesday at 2 p.m. Eastern, 11 a.m. Pacific. Hosted by Kim Hahn, founder of Conceive Magazine. Conceive On Air offers comfort and emotional support to women contemplating starting or expanding their family by consulting noted professional experts and by sharing the insights and experiences of others. Kim wants to share her experiences to educate and empower women. Conceive On Air is the only complete resource destination that inspires and informs future moms about their fertility on the journey to parenthood. Conceive On Air with Kim Hahn, celebrating the creation of families. Ask Theo Live is talk radio like you've never heard before. Following her near-death experience, world-renowned author and spiritual medium Sheila Gillette became the direct voice channel for Theo, a consortium of 12 archangels. Through this unique channel, Sheila and her co-host Marcus Gillette present you with an opportunity to speak directly with Theo live on air on any topic you wish to discuss, including receiving authentic messages from deceased loved ones and angelic guides. Get the answer you need by tuning in to Ask Theo Live Talk Radio. Tuesday mornings at 8 a.m. Pacific Time, 11 a.m. Eastern Time on 7th Wave Network. Stop wasting time. Get what you want. Live your dream life. The Dream Big Revolution. Imagine having more freedom, better health, more money, happiness. Could your business be more successful? Unless you're living the life you want, you're wasting precious time. Your life is too valuable to waste. Let Leanne Hilgers help you find health, wealth, and happiness. Listen in and live your dream life. Join the Dream Big Revolution. Tune in every Tuesday at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific Time, on the 7th Wave Network. To perform at your maximum potential, you need to have all aspects of your life working properly. On mind, brain, and body, Dr. Michael John Kell will bring you honest, open discussions concerning your physical, mental, and financial health. If you're ready to find purpose and meaning in your life, tune in to Mind, Brain, and Body every Friday at 8 a.m. Pacific. Mind, Brain, and Body on Voice America Health and Wellness. Radio, dedicated to your health, wealth, wisdom, and purpose. If you hear a dog barking or an angel singing, then you know that you are listening to Waking Up in America. Heard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific Time, Valerie Kirkard and all of her friends will bring you powerful and humorous discussions that raise thoughts and give you insight on how to live your life to its fullest potential. Adventure is always a must on Waking Up in America with Valerie Kirkard every Wednesday at 3 Pacific. <laughs> 